All right. Uh, well, if you would like to, um, if you would like to open up to Ephesians uh, chapter six, it's the final talk in our series, um, and we will be doing uh, an overview of some of the themes of the letter uh, in in this message. Uh, let me just let me just pray as we begin. Yeah, Lord, we do thank you for your word. And we need your Holy Spirit to guide us as we look at your word. Uh, and uh, may, may the Holy Spirit um, give us strength and, and power uh, as, as we see these things uh, for our Christian life. Well, we've reached the end of the letter of Ephesians. Uh, and our Bible reading was about Paul's final words and final information to the Ephesians. But as I said, uh, the talk today, in a sense, is going to be an overview uh, of the letter as we consider some of the big themes that we've seen in the letter. You see, the letter of Ephesians has talked a lot about who we are, hasn't it? It's talked about our past, our present, and our future. It's talked about our past. It's talked about our old life of sin. It's talked about our future, about the hope that we have in Jesus. It's also talked about our present, about the new identity that we have now in Jesus Christ. See, friends, the call of Ephesians is the call to turn from our past life of darkness and to turn to the light of Jesus Christ. If we've learned anything from Ephesians, it's that we cannot continue to live in our past life of sinfulness. But instead, what we'll see today is that faithful servants of Jesus encourage us in peace, in love, in faith, and in the grace of God. And our example at the end of the book is a man called Tychicus. Tychicus was a, a colleague of the Apostle Paul. He was probably a native of Ephesus himself, but he'd helped Paul and worked with Paul on some of Paul's uh, missionary journeys. Tychicus is with Paul in Rome as Paul writes this letter. But it is Tychicus, Paul's friend, Paul's co-worker, who's going to deliver this letter physically to the Ephesians. Look at what Paul says about Tychicus in verse 21 to 24. He says that he is a dear brother. He says that he is a faithful servant in the Lord. He says that he is an encourager, verse 22. And he's going to share peace with the Ephesians, verse 23, and share love with faith from Paul and from God the Father. He's going to remind the Ephesians of the grace that comes to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. In a sense, Tychicus is the child of God, the faithful servant of God that Ephesians has been talking about all along. He's just like Paul, a dear brother in Christ, a child of God, a faithful servant of the Lord. So I thought we might have a think today about the whole book, about what the whole book of Ephesians has said about being a child of God, just like Tychicus is. So in our talk today, we're going to see uh, as children of God that we were chosen for a purpose, that we're to live a life worthy of our calling. And thirdly, that we're to stand firm. As children of God in Ephesians, we see we're chosen for a purpose, to live a life worthy of our calling and to stand firm in the Lord, in the armour of God. So first we see as children of God, we are chosen for a purpose. 
Let's begin our overview of the book uh, back in chapter 1 and verse 11, if you'd like to turn there. Ephesians 1.11. It says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So we see there that we've been chosen. We've been chosen for a purpose. We've been chosen. We've been predestined. And why is that? How is that? Well, we see there it's according to the plan of God who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So we see there that we've been chosen so that we will live out the plan of God in our lives. The next thing we need to see is that we've been made alive in Christ. We've been made alive in Christ, Ephesians tells us. We see this in chapter 2 and verse 3. In chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So we see that God's purpose for us was to be saved and to be made alive by him. We see that because of his great love for us, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. We've been made alive in Christ in the fullness of time in God's purpose for our lives. Also in Ephesians, we see that we've been reconciled to God, to God and to man. Have a look at chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You see, though we were far away from God in our sin, Jesus' death has brought us near. We've been reconciled to God through the death of Christ. We've been reconciled to God, but we've also been reconciled to man, to each other. See in chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. See, we've been brought into the fellowship of the church, and we're now fellow citizens with God's people and with one another. We see a similar thing uh, in chapter 3, verse 6. Paul says there, Chapter 3, verse 6, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So we Gentiles, we non-Jews, have been brought together into the kingdom of God as one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So can you see there that we've been reconciled to God and to man? We've been made alive in Christ. We've been chosen for a purpose. This is all part of God's wonderful plan to make us his people and to work out his plan for our lives. Now, just to think of an illustration for this. If you were selected to play for the Wallabies rugby team, you don't just rest on your laurels and go to the beach instead. No, you do what you're meant to do. You go and you play rugby. Uh, or if you get a job as a barista, you don't spend all day on social media, 
Uh, no, you do what you're meant to do and you go and make coffee. Uh, when you get married, you don't spend all your spare time with your mates. You love your husband or your wife. You see, we've been raised from death to life in Jesus and now we can live this Christian life to the full. We can do what we're meant to do and start living as God's saved and chosen people. Friends, not only have we been reconciled to God, but God also works through us as agents of reconciliation between him and others. See, as members of the body of Christ, share your life, share your faith where you have opportunity. Let us not live with the mindset of that sacred and secular divide. You know that mindset that says that your Christian life and your other life in the world are different. No, there's no division between sacred and secular in God's eyes, but it's integrated together. Let us be so thoroughly integrated that we can't spend 10 minutes with someone without deeply desiring to share the gospel in word and in action. Let's pray this for one another, hey? And friends, as God's chosen people, don't make excuses for sin, but rather the Bible calls us to put it to death, to not stubbornly stand in pride, but to humbly recognise that we're a sinner and repent to the Lord. We're called to not live in selfishness either. Jesus said to the rich young ruler in the gospel to give away everything he owned and then he would have treasure in heaven. Now that might be a slight exaggeration about what he was meant to do at that point, but think about the principle of selflessness, the principle of radical discipleship for Jesus. What will that look like in your life? So friends, as children of God, we've been called, chosen for a purpose and we must start living in that purpose as God's saved and chosen people. Uh, secondly, as children of God, we see in Ephesians, we are to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Paul starts this idea in chapter 4, verse 1. But how can we do this? How can we live a life worthy of the calling we've received? Well, part of it is the maturing of the body of Christ in love. We see this in chapter 4 and verse 15. Have a look at chapter 4 and verse 15. He says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we see there that as we speak the truth in love to one another, that we will in all things grow up into Christ together. And the church of Christ will then grow and build itself up in love together as each part does its work. So uh, how else can we do this? How else can we live a life worthy of our calling? We see in chapter 4 it's about shedding the old and embracing the new. Look at chapter 4 verse 22 with me. In verse 22 he says, You were taught. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, it's about shedding the old and embracing the new, the new in Jesus. 
Paul tells us to put off our old self, that old sinful nature, to put it away, to put it off, and to put on the new self, the new creation, the new life that we've been given in Christ. We see in chapter 5, it's also about fleeing from darkness to embrace light, the light of God. In chapter 5, verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You see, we are now light in the Lord. The darkness has gone. We must live as children of light. And so in all these ways, we can live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Uh, now, uh, some of us in the congregation are, are dog or pet owners. Uh, we love our pets. Um, did you know that uh, Scripture uses the illustration about a fool returning to his folly in this sense? It says, Proverbs says, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. And uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen an animal do that. But the point is that we're not to be like that when it comes to our folly, when it comes to our way of life. We are not to be like that. We're not to return to our old sinful ways. You see, having moved from darkness to light as Christians, why do we run back to the dark? The Bible gives us another example for how we're to live in this sense. The example of clothing. Let's think about it. For example, you only wear one pair of pants at a time, right? Uh, you have to take off the old in order to put the new on. It is ridiculous to put your new pants over your old ones. You must first take off the old, discard the old from the body first. In the same way, we must discard the sinful patterns from our lives. Why would we run back to the dark? Why do we go back to the old life of sin? Instead, we must discard those patterns from our lives. What will that look like for you? How will you practically put off the old and put on the new? It's important for us to think about these things and to think about these ways so that we can live a life worthy of the calling we've received. See, we've been chosen according to a purpose. We've been called to live according to our calling in God. And thirdly, in Ephesians, we've seen we are to stand firm in it all. As children of God, we are to stand firm. In all these wonderful truths that we've learned in Ephesians, we must be able to stand firm in them, in these great truths. That's what chapter 6 is all about, isn't it? If you look at chapter 6 and verse 14, Paul says, Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. In verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In verse 13, put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. So friends, we're called to stand firm in God's strength. To stand firm in God. See, we've received this new identity in Christ but we've also been placed in this spiritual battle. And we must not forget this. Now, friends, the image in Ephesians 6 of the armor, uh, the image is one of protection, isn't it? It is for our protection, the armor of God. But, you know, we don't always comprehend, do we, that the strength doesn't come from us. 
Now, as an example, uh, just imagine stepping into outer space without a spacesuit on. You would die instantly. But with the suit of protection on, with the spacesuit on, you can withstand the danger and the lack of oxygen and the cold of space. Well, friends, in the same way, the armour of God provides our protection and sustains our life. Your only job then is to stand firm in the armour. Stand firm in God's armour. So embrace the truth of God's word. Hold firm in your defence against the dark spiritual forces. Be ready for the attacks. Standing firm in God's strength and not your own. You see, friend, it's not about you. It's about God through you. God is the power of the armour of God. So hold on to God's promises. Hold on to God. He is the power and he will see you through. You see, friends, this is the big message of Ephesians, isn't it? A big message, the big message. We're to stand firm in this new identity that we've been given in Christ. And it's all of God and it's all of grace. We have been transferred from the darkness of this world and placed into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So stand firm in this great reality. Stand firm in your identity in Jesus. The, the great theologian J.I. Packer, who passed away a few weeks ago, has a, a great quote in one of his books about what it means to be a child of God. He says this. He says, I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My saviour is my brother, and every Christian is my brother or sister too. That's a great quote, isn't it, about being a child of God? I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My saviour is my brother, and every Christian is my brother or sister too. It's a great way of summing it up of what it means to be a child of God. This is the big message, isn't it? This is the big change in Ephesians, our identity as a child of God in Christ. Friends, as children of God, we're chosen for a purpose, to live a life worthy of our calling, to stand firm in our new identity. So will we stand firm in this? Will we stand firm in the armour of God amidst Satan's attacks on our lives? Will we stand firm in our new identity as a child of God? What are you holding on to from your life of the past that needs to be left in the past? Friends, if we've learned anything from Ephesians, it's that we cannot continue to live in our past sinfulness. Friends, the faithful servants of Christ Jesus live in peace, love, faith and the grace of God. And we will encourage others in peace, love, faith and the grace of God as the faithful servants of Jesus. You see, if we go back to the end of chapter 6, this is who Tychicus was, wasn't it? This is who Paul was. This is who the Ephesian Christians had become. This is who God is calling us to be through the book of Ephesians, the faithful servants of Christ Jesus, the dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, the encouragers, 
the ones who bring the gospel and peace and love and grace and faith to the situations we go to in life. You see, friends, just as Tychicus and Paul bore these letters with their hands or crafted them with their pen, friends, they also bore these letters through the display of their life as co-workers in the gospel, as changed people, as encouragers, as friends, as gospel workers, working together in the Great Commission. And so should we. So should we, because friends, this is what the Christian gospel does. This is what Ephesians has told us. This is what the Christian gospel does. It changes us. It gives us a new identity. It gives us a whole new life. It gives us a future. It gives us a sure and blessed hope. As faithful servants of Jesus, we bear the letters of God, not just in our hands, but on our hearts, in our lives, imitating God, imitating Paul as he imitated Christ. So how will you finish this year then? as a faithful servant of God, just like Paul has described in the book of Ephesians. Let us pray. Yes, Father, we do thank you for the message and the teaching of Ephesians. Lord, we thank you for the new identity we have as your children. Lord, we thank you for the great truths that we've been raised up with Christ in the heavens, that you've given us the armour of God for protection. And Lord, help us to live out this new life, to live lives worthy of our calling, that your spirit might help us to grow to be more like Christ. And Lord, help us to be like those fellow workers of Paul, faithful servants, encouragers, people of love and grace. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.